All right, if you were there last night, um, I want you to know that my jumping up and down when I won the raffle was actually just a sermon illustration. Uh, <laughs> no, we were thanks, thanks, I tried. No, if you weren't there, what happened was that we were lamenting at our table that no one was jumping up and down and being excited when they won the raffle. And so we were like, first person at our table is gonna like scream and holler, right? And they called out the numbers and I was like, sure, they were mine. So I jumped up and I was like, yeah! And then this sweet little lady from the back is like, I think it's mine. <laughs> I was like, oh. Snap! That's not good. Anyhow, um, yeah, so the lesson, the lesson, the sermon illustration is that just because you're louder doesn't mean you're right. Okay. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, we're talking about let's get off the fence together today. So uh, one of the things I wanted to share is the favorite, my favorite thing about my kids um, is that they know everything. And Kylie in particular has known everything since she was about two. Um, and, and it's progressed, you know, and in her knowledge, she's progressed to knowing more and more of everything. And it started out, you know, with the cute little, hey, hey, you know, your shoes are supposed to be in the bin, not outside the bin. I know, I know, mom. To, um, you know, hey, mom, can we watch some TV? Uh, don't you have some homework due? Uh, yeah. So maybe you should do that first. I know. So can we watch TV, Mom? No! Do the homework! I know! <sighs> to our most recent, which really caught me off guard, which was they cleaned the bathroom on their own. And so they were cleaning the bathroom, and then they said, okay, Mom, we're done. I said, okay, I'm going to check on it. So I go walking in there, and there's toothpaste on the stink. And I was like, <sighs> Kylie, come here. Come here, come here. So there's toothpaste on the sink, which makes me think that you didn't actually clean it. I know. So you came and told me that you finished cleaning the bathroom, but the sink is not clean. Yeah. Um, I can't wrap my brain around this. So clean the sink, right? And, and she cleaned the sink. Now, a little while later, I was like, okay, I can unwrap this logic. I couldn't unwrap the logic. So I decided to share with her my logic. And I called her side, I said, Kylie, listen to me very carefully. There's only two options in my world, all right? Either you don't know, and I need to tell you again, and, or you really did know, in which case you deliberately disobeyed me, in which case I need to discipline you. Do you see how I know is not an answer to the problem? She was like, I know. Now, lest you think that this is only a child problem with authority, um, I have had a hard time this past year, like, consistently working out, like, all of 2018. Um, and I had my excuses all lined up, and they were beautiful. I mean, they were amazing, right? And, uh, but I'm sitting there over Christmas with my sister-in-law, and we're, we're going back and forth about how to create a, a workout that we could actually stick to, and blah, blah, blah. Finally, she just looks me in the eye, and she's like, Becky! You know everything you need to know about working out. You know everything that you need to know about motivating yourself and other people. You know everything you need to know about changing a habit. But you're not doing it. And I was like, I know. <laughs> and as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I went, oh, no. 
<laughs> and um, I happened to be reading in James at that time. And, uh, and it says in James, let's see, let's pull that up. Um, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And I thought, oh no, am I doing this spiritually too? Is God nudging me on the shoulder and I'm saying, I know, but doing nothing about it? Very remote possibility. I had, this sermon is a perfect example because I've had it in here for a really long time. Um, and Pastor Jean was like, hey, I think you should share that. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I don't want to. The will and the, and the knowing are two different things, right? Um, so I know. And I kept going in James until I hit James 4. And this is what it said. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So I reluctantly came to Pastor Sean and said, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just not doing it. So now I'm here, standing in front of you, telling you, guess what? We know. <laughs> and now we got to do. Um, so we have been talking in 1 Corinthians, right? We decided to go through 1 Corinthians because it's nice and controversial and scary. Um, and it mostly focuses on culture, right? And, and, and our big thing is that we go, oh, I know, I know. That was for the Corinthians back then. And, and we're different. We're a different culture than the Corinthians, so we're good to go. And we can excuse ourselves from so many things. But if you actually read about what the Corinthians were going through, you would go, oh, no, that's us, right? And, and, and the first thing that Paul goes through is he says, hey, there's all these amazing human leaders, and um, you're not supposed to follow them exclusively. Yes, I gifted them. I have made them amazing. I have made them able to explain things in ways to help you understand, to help you grow deeper. I have gifted them, but they are not me. I, Jesus Christ, am the leader of this church and you follow me, and I am the one who unifies us, right? Then he goes on and he says, oh, by the way, the world's not going to agree with the way that you think, with your logic, with the way that you go about things. And I don't know about you, but when Pastor Sean um, preached that sermon, I wanted to crawl out the back door and be like, I'm not here. If I don't listen to it, I won't feel different. Because <laughs> I don't like feeling different. Um... So I went home from that sermon and uh, tried to hide, but it didn't work. So God kept nudging at me. Um, there's a gif, have you seen it, where Simpson, Homer Simpson, somebody's like nudging on his shoulder and he's sleeping. And finally he's like, bam, and just knocks him out, right? I feel like that's how we respond to God. God's like, hey, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do this. Wake up. Hey, you should do this. And we're like, no. Yep. So um, I talked to Micah about it, and I said, hey, I, th I think we have a problem. I'm scared for our kids. I'm scared of where they're growing up. When everything started coming out in New York, it kind of freaked me out. Um, and so then Micah did what Micah does, 
and, and he went online and started getting books and all these things that we can find, right? Anything to help us out. So I have found, he found this book called Fearless Parenting, which came this week, and um, it, yeah, George Barna and Myers. I, I actually haven't read the whole thing yet, so I really can't promote it, um, but I read the intro. And the introduction, it was so right on with what I was already thinking that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna use this. So you can't quote me on the end of the book. All right, so, um, but he says something that really made sense to me. So baby boomers, if you are a baby boomer, this is gonna kind of pop up up there as I read it, it's just one paragraph. My generation, the baby boomers, grew up intoxicated with the American dream. Work hard, exploit opportunities, get ahead and enjoy a comfortable and secure lifestyle. We knew enough to relish America's freedoms and to understand that they required us to serve the country as needed. The dream incorporated a belief in and a relationship with God. Maintaining a satisfying marriage while raising our 2.5 children to maximize their potential and pursuing a functional family experience for both present enjoyment and our children's well-being. We trusted that their future would be even more outstanding than our own. That was part of our gift to them and had become an unspoken expectation from generation to generation. If you're a boomer, that's the culture you grew up in. If you are my children, they're nine and 10 right now, the culture that they're growing up in will result in this. In this view of reality, the goal of life is to work just enough to get by. Unless your job, of course, is synonymous with your identity, in which case you will work all the time. The new millennial dream will include a belief in some sort of spiritual being, but a view that all truth and wisdom come from within, not an external force. Family will be considered solely a source of enjoyment, so choosing relationships like marriage will be uncommon because a permanent commitment brings limitations and hardships after the initial period of happiness. A linchpin of this version of the dream is that we get all the benefits without the responsibilities. The energetic pursuit of everything we want includes a new moral code that essentially allows for anything, sexually, financially, relationally, ethically, spiritually, that delivers pleasure or satisfaction without regard to the long-term ramifications. Without the Bible or a dominant religious ideology to serve as the source of absolute truth, Americans will refine the current practice of basing their moral and ethical decisions on feelings. The moral context in which, we, in which our children are raised will continue to move further and further from biblical principles. Sad but true. So, I know it's hard to see why there's a generation gap uh, but let's look at, I, I don't want to try to like all of Christian culture, right? But within these ranges right here, if we compare these two to what the Christian culture would kind of be, okay? We can look up there and we could see that in the Christian culture, we have the God dream, okay? And this is just simply the idea that there is a God and we can have a relationship with him. And we do have a relationship with him and it is deep. And Jesus Christ is Lord, okay? Lord means he's actually in charge, like there's someone in charge of our lives who is telling us what is right and what is wrong, and there's absolute truths to what is right and what is wrong, okay? And, what's next? All right, we relish our freedom 
in Christ. It's a super interesting thing because our world right now is telling us that if we put up restraints, this is a really bad thing, right? We restrict our freedom. We, we, we put up this framework that Bob talked about where we say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. And they say that we're stuck in our prison, except I'm so free that you can't fathom this. I'm free from regret. I am free from the consequences of the things that those will lead to. I am free to be me in Christ. Uh, we also believe that marriage is sacred. And that's the place where we're supposed to raise children. Right? So when you look at this, it's not hard to see the baby boomer's perspective. This is my barbell. And, yep, this is my barbell, and uh, this is culture, okay? So this is the way that our culture has their values, okay? And we've got Christian culture, Christian values right here, and we've got our culture's values, okay? So the boomers, for the boomers, that was really close, right? They were super similar. Marriage was the same. All these things were the same in the Christian culture as they were. So when we decided that we could straddle that line and have one foot in the Christian culture and one foot in our worldly culture, it worked. We were fine, right? But what started to happen, and the problem is, that the culture didn't stay static. The culture started to move. And as the culture started to move, it butted up against that leg. And we were like, oh, well, that's uncomfortable. So we started to slide. Sorry, I wanted the big barbell because it would stay in place, but it didn't fit on the stage. All right, all right, so the barbell hits against our leg, and we say, okay, well, that's fine. I can still do this, right? I got this. And then the barbell kept moving. And as the barbell kept moving, we kept stretching. We kept saying, it's okay. It's okay. I got this. I got this. Right? I am still a Christian in the culture. Except, uh, yep, my shoes really are slipping. Um, except that the, this is uncomfortable. And it was stretching me in ways that I didn't want to stretch. And it was putting me in compromising positions. So what we decided as a culture was that, oh, something's got to move. Something's got to give. So I took this leg and I slid it. I said, oh, okay, we're still good. I'm still Christian. Right, but now I feel better. Whew, it's okay. And then the bar moved again, way this way. And I said, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I got this. And I slid that leg over here. And pretty soon this leg that is sitting over here isn't sitting in Christian culture. It's sitting in a place that they actually have a name for. It's called cultural Christianity. It's the culture affecting our Christianity. And, there, and there, there's actually, I kid you not, see, this isn't just me. I did my research, too. All right? It's actually a thing. You can, you can look it up. Cultural Christianity is a religion that superficially identifies itself as Christianity, but does not truly adhere to the faith. A nominal believer, he wears the title as Christian, but the label has more to do with family, background, and upbringing than any personal conviction in Jesus as Lord. It is more social than spiritual. It identifies with the good works of Jesus, but rejects some of the spiritual aspects required. In free nations, the gospel is often presented as a costless addition to one's life. 
Just add church going to your hobbies. Add charitable giving to your list of good deeds or add the cross to the trophies on your mantle. In this way, we can go through the motions of accepting Jesus with no accompanying surrender to his lordship. So how do we know if we've slid? This part scared me, right? Because I was like, ha ha, I'm good. I'm, I, I'm the youth director. Surely my foot is over here, right? And I was like, but, and I got this. Look, I'm stretching. I'm doing good, okay? Um, and, then, and then I started reading these, and it said, um, if you're ignoring any of the inspiration of the scripture, you're in cultural Christianity. If you're ignoring or downplaying true repentance as the first step towards knowing God, if you're focusing on Jesus' love and acceptance to the exclusion of his teachings on hell, obedience, and self-sacrifice, if you are tolerating or even celebrating ongoing sin while claiming to know God, if you are redefining scriptural truths to accommodate our culture, if you are understanding Jesus to primarily be a social reformer rather than God himself in the flesh as a sacrifice for our sins. And the list goes on. And I realized, I have slid. That sucks. I don't want to have slid. Right? And the worst part is, when I stretch like this and I'm sitting here like this, I inadvertently teach my kids that they can do this too. My kids have shorter legs than me. And this is no longer the case. If my kids try to do this, the culture has continued to move. And I'm finding out that even I can't keep this up any longer. I am really starting to shake. <laughs> right? So there's only one conclusion. I've got to pick one side or the other. And this is where we're at, people. We have to pick. Are we going to put both feet in the culture and say you're right? Or are we going to say, that's dumb, and put both feet firmly on Christ? This is the choice that we have to make. And we have to make it not just for ourselves, but for our kids and our grandkids and everybody after us. Because they're being pulled in that direction too. It's not safe. So... I believe that what God is doing nationwide, and the reason that I believe this is nationwide is because when I started this, I thought it was just me, and then I started reading stuff, and then I started looking up the books that are coming out recently, and I realized, oh my gosh, it's not just me. God's doing this all over the nation. He is calling our church back to this side of the fence. He wants us to firmly put both of our feet on the side of truth, abandon this idea that we can be part of the culture and be accepted by them and still live Christian lives. The only way to influence our culture is to take this foot, put it back over here, get both my feet on the same side, grab hold of this bar with my arms in a nice perfect squat, don't use your back. Right? And yank this bar back towards the middle. And I can't do it by myself, but all of us together, maybe we can do it together. Right? So 
I don't think that the call to God's church right now is unsimilar to uh, what we see to the call in the church in Laodicea. So we're going to go to Revelations 3. And in Revelations 3, this is God. God's call to the church in Laodicea. And I'm going to start in verse 15. I know it says 14. 15 through 22. <clears throat> I know all the things that you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by the fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me. So that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and I discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying. I believe that God is saying to the, the American church, come on, let's do this. For far too long we've been lukewarm. We've sat back. We've been indifferent. We've let the culture take its course and said, it's okay, we'll make it through, we'll make it through, we'll make it through. And we just keep backing up. And it's, we can't do that anymore. It has gone way too far. And if we don't start pulling it back, our children, oh my gosh. I don't want the world that my children are going to live in. So I have to start fighting. It's time to fight back. <clears throat> so, if you're sitting there saying, yeah, okay, Becky, good, yep, I agree. Good. We're on the same page. Um, however, how? There's the question. How, how do I do anything about this? I don't have the answer. But I have a lot of suggestions. And you can pick from them. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is awesome. And he can say, oh, by the way, that one's for you. And this one's for you. And this one's for you. Okay? So, but I do think that there are steps. Okay? Um, I believe that step number one is to acknowledge it. Okay? So if we know, I know, we already know it, it's time to move on. If we don't know it, I just took that excuse out from underneath you. Because <laughs> I told you. So now you know. Our culture has gone too far. Right? So we need to acknowledge it, and we need to put two feet firmly on the side of Christ. And if you don't know what that is, then get your Bible out and read it. This is a scary thing. 53% of Americans do not read the Bible or rarely read the Bible. And many of them profess to be Christians. If someone can tell you that the Bible says blah, 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 and you go, really? No. 
you need to be reading it day in and day out because you have to know what you're standing on. Number two, if you are already there, if you have acknowledged this and you are saying, I'm right there with you, Becky, I'm freaking out, right? Then it's time to take this step. And this is the step that I've only recently taken. Um, this is the one probably I did over Christmas break. Um, but it's time to embrace our identity, right? For too long, we've sat back and we've said, hey, you know what? Oh, you called me intolerant. I'll back up. Whenever the world called us names, we said, oh, you know what? I'll back down. I'll back down. It's okay. I mean, I, I'm, wait, no. My kids have learned from me to back down. That's what they've learned. That's not what I want to teach them. I want the environment of my home to be an environment where I stand up and I say, yes, I am a Christian. And yes, I think different from you. And you know what? That's because it's right. And I had to come to this through a big, long series of hating Sean for preaching on 1 Corinthians 2. And then after I stopped hating him, I had to teach this lesson to the youth. I kid you not. We have a rotation going, and we also are doing 1 Corinthians. And of all the teachers, it was my Sunday on 1 Corinthians 2. And I, I was like, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to tell the kids they're fools. I don't, I don't want to do this. And I struggled with it all week. And it wasn't until the very end of the week, like the day before, that I really just felt like I was like, just write it out. I was like, fine. So I started writing out my, I tried not to call it my manifesto, but I didn't know what to call it. Um, but it's, it's my I believe statements, right? And for each of you, these will be different. But here's a few of mine. So I am a Christian, and that means I think different from you. First, I believe that people are more important than things. So I would rather give of my time to help other people rather than just do what I want. You say that you don't have time to help out anywhere, and I'm crazy to spread myself thin. I watch while he makes me more efficient with my time, and I still have plenty of time for rest and relaxation. I believe the more I give away, the more God will give to me in return. So I give some of my money to the church and the local charities and my missions. You say you can't live on the money you've got, so I must be crazy to give any of it away. I've seen God provide for me every single time I have needed it. I believe my integrity is more important than winning, so no, I'm not going to cheat. And yes, I'm willing to get a lower score on that test and compromise who I am inside. I believe my integrity is more important than my social status. So I'm not going to backstab to make sure that I get that promotion. I believe I am fully accepted by God. So I don't need to do all the things that you are pressuring me to do just so I will be liked and accepted by you. I believe I can have a relationship with God. So I'm going to pursue that instead of pursuing my own desires, like more sleep or more binge-watching TV shows. Or more late nights with my friends, more video games, more social media time, all of the distractions that I could choose from. And the list goes on and on. I have like two pages. And, and it's, it's like not even it, right? It's not the end of it. And at the very end, I put, there's so much more. But what in the end? I have hope for the future and therefore joy in the present, even when it is not good and life is falling apart around me.
I have peace inside. That is crazy. I have kindness, patience, peace, self-control, and the list goes on. Of all the benefits that I see in being a Christian. Once I wrote this, <laughs> I was like, yes! Like, I know why I'm standing where I'm standing. Here I am. And now I have to impart that to my kids. I got reversed 10 years of, dang it, indifference. <laughs> but, but I'm going to try. I'm going to tell them we, we need to be proud of who we are. Yes, we have boundaries because they make us better. These things I have to impart to my kids so that they're willing to stand at school and say, yeah, I'm different, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> All right. All right, so we've embraced it. So make your own. I would really encourage you to make your own. You make those, it will change your life. It is crazy. Um, I was actually thinking of some because it's so different for each one of us, right? We're in different stages of life, and I was thinking of our, our kids, and I was like, theirs, theirs is going to have to say, you know what? You say I'm being old-fashioned and stupid for not sending you a nude picture of myself. I believe that I am valuable, and I deserve respect, and my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I will not use it for your pleasure. You say I've lost touch with reality the way things are now. I'm too old. I tell you that I am one of only a few left who still has a grasp on true reality. And the way things are is not better. It's wrong. Write it out. You will be amazed. Make your own statements. And this is the most crucial part. Church, we have to fight. Bottom line, end of story. We can no longer sit back. We have to fight. How do we do that, Becky? Do whatever you can. What are you capable of doing? If you are capable of doing it, then do it. If you can write a letter, if you can fly out and do a protest I, to help our nation, then do it. But it's going to start with us individually, with me. We have to fight for our relationship with God. It is so easy, so easy to just, eh, I'm going to watch TV tonight. I'm going I'm to go on social media today. I'm going to go do this today. I'm going to go do this today. We have so many options on how to spend our time that I actually have to fight and discipline myself to sit down with God, to read my Bible, to spend time praying. I have to fight for my relationship with God. And from a place of fighting for my relationship with God, I can fight for my kids' relationship with God and my family around me, the people directly around me. Instead of getting turning on that TV, we're trying to do this. It's so hard to change. Instead of turning around the, on that TV at night, we're pulling out a game. Why? Because interaction with our family matters. Change the little things, the little things you can do. Then we can fight for our church. We can fight for our individual little local churches. We can step in and we can help out. You don't have to become the pastor to help at the church. Do something little, something that you go, oh, 
Oh yeah, I could do that. Oh, but that doesn't matter, because that's that's not a big deal. So, so that's probably not what God's calling me to do. That's what we do, don't we? And we d we don't even realize it. Cause that little thing is going to make all the difference in somebody else's life, and they're going to be able to do their job better because we chose to do that one thing, right? Do what you can, and then from there we can we could go after our nation, right? We can't go after our nation until we've gone after ourselves and after our family. It's going to start there. It's time to fight. So, um, <laughs> what are we going to do today? I have 1 Corinthians, and it's not up there. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 3, which ironically, and I did not plan this, uh, Pastor Sean's preaching on this next week. <laughs> You were. Now, it's already been preached. All right, so it's 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. And one of the reasons that I believe that we don't do what we can is because we take on jobs that aren't ours. And we take on responsibilities that God's never given us. Okay? So here's what it says. <clears throat> I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But God, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Believe that what this is saying is is, is that we sometimes think that someone else's salvation or someone else's growth, these are the things that are our responsibility, right? And this is why we compromise. Because we're standing here and we're going, oh my gosh, my loved one is over here and I really want them to know Christ. I better move Christ closer so that they can grow. God says growth is not your responsibility. The only thing that we are supposed to do is we are supposed to plant and we are supposed to water. Plant and water. And you know what? We freak out because we don't see growth. It's a, it's a seed. Where's the growth happening? In the soil. We're not going to see it for a long, long time. And that's okay. You still keep going. We still plant seeds. We still water the soil. I, I was thinking of my my own personal self, right? And I was like, okay, so what can I do, right? Um, well, I can start having devotions with my kids in the morning. I was like, all gung-ho, I was like, ready? Yeah, I, I, so far I suck at it. Okay, but I'm trying, okay? And, and so I have a devotional, I have it out there, and I was like, I can do this because it takes 10 more minutes of my day. I can get up 10 minutes early to have a little bit of devotions with my kids before school. And you know what, I'm hitting like, I don't know, I'm probably batting 150. I, I mean, maybe two days a week that I'm actually successful at this. But guess what? That's two seeds planted that weren't planted three weeks ago. And my responsibility is not to be perfect. My responsibility is to do it. And I am going to, from this day forward, accept mediocrity as just fine. <laughs> because it is still planting seeds. It is still watering those seeds that other people have planted, right? So I'm going to keep going. 
And maybe I'll get to three days a week. Sometime soon. <laughs> right? I can preach a sermon to my family of believers, even if it costs me a week of my time. I can work with the youth, even if I don't see any growth. I can plant seeds in their lives and hope that God, not hope, know. He said, I caused the growth. Know that God is building you. I can take breaks from the youth because I know that I need breaks. And I can do it without guilt because I know that God causes the growth not me. I can make a video about Emily. It's so simple that it's scary because I scared the first service and I was like, this is so stupid that I haven't done it. Um, but I can have her stand there and say, if there's no life at six months, then why am I here? My daughter was born when I was six months pregnant and she was nine years old over how hard is that? It's like a 10 second video, right? And I can put that on Facebook. And why not? Because well, what, what difference is it going to make? It's not going to make any difference. It doesn't matter. I plant the seed. My only job is to plant the seed. It's God's job to take it where he wants it to go. So, are your kids still in the home? What can you do? them along? What can you tell them? What kind of conversations can you have? Make them proud. Make them proud of who we are, what we believe, that we are countercultural, and that's good. Are your kids out of the home? If your kids are out of the home, I think your role has changed. I had a really cool image this morning, um, and I thought it was great. Go on to love. Love and the next one. Um, so I was I was praying about, you know, what, what about the people whose kids are out of the home? What are they supposed to do? Right? They're the ones facing the grandkids, the grandkids making these decisions. Right? As love. Love is the answer. What? No, that's cultural. Love is the answer to everything. Love. Okay, no. But it really is the answer in Christ. Because love is the physical world peace that I can offer in the physical world that will open up the doors to the spiritual world. I can love. If you imagine, you know the two, you know when you see like a two or three or four year old kid on the leash, holding the leash with the dog, right? And, and they're, they're like trying to yank it around and it's really obnoxious. That's us as parents, right? We are not very good at it and we're like, no, don't go over there, right? But we, but we, don't, we don't lead perfect. I wish we did, but we don't, right? When the kids grow up, you know, it, with the kids in my house, I still kind of have a leash on them. The kids are out of the house. I have to hand that leash to God. That's what he means when he says, I cause the growth. I cause the change. Because he has the leash. And we have to leave that leash in his hands, right? Now, what is the kid free to do when the leash is in God's hands? Hi, buddy. I love you so much. <laughs> That's not what you do with the Come on. It is. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Woo! All right. They're free to love. 
They're free to love on that puppy. They're free to show them unconditional love and let God do the growth. It's hard because it feels like giving up. It feels like you're quitting. But all you're really doing is you're giving God the power that he has already. And you're saying, that's not my job anymore. My job is to love, to pray, to continuously tell them that I am praying for them, to let them know that I have not moved. I have not moved at all, but I love them desperately. And I will be here the second that they want to come back. We condone, we do not condone, but we do not condemn. We don't encourage bad behavior, but we don't condemn it either. We say we love you. I'm praying for you. And eventually, the seed that you just planted again and then watered again will come back as growth. And you will see it, maybe. Maybe you won't see it till heaven, but you'll see it. You have to hang on to that hope. If you're in the fight already, I believe that what God is saying to you today is good job. Thank you. Thank you for staying in the fight. Thank you for being in the fight. Do not grow weary. I am drawing my nation. I am drawing my people. I am freaking them out with what's going on in the culture. And I am bringing them to where you're already at. Stay in the fight and wait for us to join you because we're coming. And we will fight with you. Do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Stay in the fight. That's it. Except, <laughs> except for, put up the last slide. This is my commitment. And this is what I want to do. But I'd love to have you guys join with me and with God's people and with the Church of America as a whole. Let's get on and fight.